Let's look at today Luke. We're still in Luke up through Easter and just beyond Luke. But today, before we begin, I wanted to remind us that we are now in Jerusalem in the story, and it's Holy Week, and, uh, and Jesus is now having some more conversation with le- religious leaders, not the Pharisees, but the Sadducees today. So this is Luke 20, verses 27 through 40. Hear the word of God. Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to him and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married a woman and died childless. Then the second and the third married her. And so, in the same way, all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore... Whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. And Jesus said to them, Those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is God, not of the dead, but of the living. For to him, all of them are alive. Then some of the scribes answered, Teacher, you have spoken well. For they no longer dared to ask him another question. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, and so let us pray. Lord, again, we come to you in prayer as we look at your word together, as we talk about it, as we think about it, as we dive into it. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Just recently, in the last couple of weeks, I met with uh, a couple who were both engineers, and they met in engineering school, and they were telling me about being engineers, that they're both very organized, they're educated, they're systematic, and they're confident in what they do because they know what they're doing. And I heard about it, and I thought, you know, maybe if I wasn't a pastor, if I had time, maybe I would be an engineer. I don't know. So I know it's a ton of work. I do know that. But I like being very organized. I like being systematic. I like things that are logical and make sense. And the reason I brought that up today is because, first, as we'll talk about the resurrection and heaven in just a few minutes, I don't think it's always logical. And I think heaven and even what Scripture, in fact, what Jesus says here in Luke 20, I think is a little mysterious. And second, as I thought of our recent look into some different passages in Luke, including this passage today, and Jesus is getting questioned by people like the Sadducees and the Pharisees, I think many of them may have made good engineers too. I really do. Because they liked their systems. They liked rules. In fact, you know, if you remember back to reading some of Luke last year, uh, they would add rules to the, to the laws that were in the Old Testament. They would make the Sabbath very hard to follow. They liked things very organized and systematic, even 
legalistic. But Jesus was different. And, you know, today, in today's world, we read about Jesus. We read these stories uh, here in the Gospel of Luke. And, you know, if you've been around church, even if you've just been around ZPC over the last year or so, Jesus kind of becomes familiar to us. But I think in that day, it's hard to imagine is that he was very much a radical. He was, uh, to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, to people like them, he was a rebellious teacher. And in, in some ways, he was a threat to them. He talked a lot about loving people who were on the margins, or sometimes uh, people like the Pharisees or Sadducees might call sinners. They weren't in the in crowd. They weren't accepted. And he, he talked about loving them. And in today's passage, we see him questioned again because people like the Sadducees and the Pharisees wanted to, to uh, get rid of this threat in their world. But again, he gives a different kind of answer that certainly I don't think the Sadducees expected and something meant I, I don't think I would expect either. So let's look again at this passage today. It's not a very long passage. But Jesus is questioned by the religious leaders, this time the Sadducees, and they want him to look foolish by answering this question about the resurrection. So these Sadducees, and it says right here, they don't believe in the resurrection, which made them different from the Pharisees who did believe in the resurrection. Uh, The Sadducees are sad, you see. Now, remember, that's a good way to remember that. So, you know, if you grew up in Sunday school or in church or in youth group, the Sadducees, they're sad, you see, because they don't believe in the resurrection. Why wouldn't they be sad, right? There's nothing after life. So we got past that. But the Sadducees, I think, would be sad. They don't believe in the resurrection. The historian Josephus reports that the Sadducees were an aristocratic ruling majority. So at this time, they were the ruling majority of the Sanhedrin. And they liked their power, and they did not want to lose it. So they asked this implausible question about seven different brothers marrying the same woman. And they said, in the resurrection, whose wife will she be? And what they were trying to do is to get Jesus to stumble on this because they don't believe in the resurrection. Therefore, they think this is an incredibly difficult question. So in in Jewish times, if a brother died uh, uh, and he had no children... His brother was supposed to marry her and have children to continue the family line. This seems a little maybe odd to us. But the family line in Jewish history and their family, uh, their fam- even their family history was very important to the Jewish people. So when we read about that, you know, someone begat someone else, their history and their family line was very important to them. It was also important to them because if they had family, then their land stayed in that family as long as they could pass it down to their children, those in the family line. I I was thinking about, it's hard to relate for us, but perhaps for some of those who have been farmers for generations, oftentimes there is a desire to pass on the family farm to the next generation with the hopes that it will keep getting passed down to generations and generations. I think that's kind of the closest way that we might think of it for us. But this practice of a brother-in-law marrying the widow of his brother is known as leverite marriage. The term comes from the Latin lever, which means brother-in-law, that the brother-in-law was supposed to marry uh, the wife of the one of the brother who passed away. So the question is, whose wife will she be in heaven? And here's what Jesus says. He doesn't answer it directly. 
But he says that people of the resurrection age, people who've been resurrected, will neither marry nor be given in marriage. He goes on to say they can no longer die like angels, and they are God's children. And I think this is where, I think it's a little mysterious, and for someone like me, or people who are maybe a little more engineer-minded, you like things very logical and explained and understandable. I think for me, when we think about our culture today, that people get married and they have children, and that's how we, we increase or we uh, continue our family lines. That's how the world works. In heaven, it doesn't work that way. I think that's what Jesus is saying. And so in a sense... His statements here really change the definition or the view of families in heaven. In a sense, he says, there will be no need for marriage in heaven or no need to have children. In heaven, he says, we are all God's children. And for the Jewish people then, there was no need to pass on to their family line, to hold on to the land or something like that. So I think this feels a little jarring to me I don't know about you but it feels a little mysterious and a little jarring you know there's no marriage in heaven what does this mean how can we understand this so I've read several commentaries some scholars who excuse me who are more uh, knowledgeable than me over the last two weeks and I think as we study it I do think it makes some sense although certainly there's still mystery to it I don't think Jesus' statement means that we will not recognize our marriage partners in heaven. I believe that it means that we must not think of heaven as as simply a direct extension of life as we know it here. Heaven's going to be very different in a lot of ways. One scholar that I enjoyed reading this week said, we are not told enough about life in the world beyond. That's probably some of my frustration. I want to know more. We're not told enough about life in the world beyond to answer in great detail about these questions, but we can understand a few principles. Family relationships will still be known in life in the world beyond, in heaven. In Luke 16, there's a rich man that Jesus describes, and he's aware of his family relationships. He's aware of his family back on earth. Second, the glory of heaven will be a relationship and connection with God that surpasses anything else, including our present family relationships. And again, that's where some of the mystery comes in. So there's some logic to this, which I like, and there's some mystery to it, which I think I need to come to terms with, and maybe you do too. The logic, the logic part, I believe, is this. If people no longer die in heaven, then there's no widows, or there's no widowers, So there's no need for remarriage in heaven. That's kind of getting to the answer that Jesus gives. And if people live forever, if there's not death in heaven, which is what Jesus says, then there is no need to marry in order to have children to carry on the family line. Jesus says in the very next sentence, we are all God's children in the next age. So what does this look like? And we can look in a couple other places. I'm not going to go too deep into this, but we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15, and then at the end, I'm going to read a few verses from Revelation 21, which also speak to heaven. This is one of the only times that Jesus kind of gives us some specifics, specifically about marriage or families in heaven, but there are a couple other places in Scripture 
where it talks about heaven and what it might be like. Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians 15, excuse me, that in heaven, everyone gets new bodies. He says this, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown, that's our bodies, they're sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in physical body, but it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. What he's saying is that so our bodies, which were weak, are are weak right now. And as we get closer to the end of our lives, our bodies get weaker. And they are perishable as we die. But with resurrection, we have imperishable, powerful, and spiritual bodies. I think this can encourage us. You know, as we see people around us that we love, that get older, and and some of you are here, we know that our bodies start to struggle, they start to fail in certain ways. To have the promise that one day we will have new bodies, that everything works right, I think that's great news. I think that's great news that Paul is sharing about that. In fact, our bodies will be in some ways spiritual bodies and not physical bodies. A Bible commentator named Warren Wiersbe says, resurrection is not just reconstruction. He said, in a sense, we will have new bodies that will be more spiritual. We can read more about this. You don't have to this morning, but in Luke 24, so staying in the gospel of Luke, when we see Jesus resurrected, will we all look like Jesus' resurrected body? I don't know, and we're not sure. We won't know until we get there, but we have some idea. Jesus had some kind of a physical body because he walked on the road to Emmaus. That's in Luke 24. He ate food, his resurrected body, and he could show his wounds in his hands to Thomas. But he could also show up in a locked room, so somehow he came through the walls or he just appeared. And on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24, he disappears. So that seems very much like a a spiritual body, to use Paul's words. Paul goes on to say in 1 Corinthians that Jesus was resurrected and so are we. So either the Sadducees are right, that they say there's no resurrection, or Paul is right about resurrection. I trust Paul. That there is a resurrection life, there is a heaven, that we will have new resurrected bodies, and that we won't die there. But I also believe, as others say, that in kind of like Luke 16 of this rich man, the story in Rich Man and Lazarus, this rich man who remembers his brothers back on earth, that we will be able to remember and recognize our family members in heaven. So while I find it a little mystifying that people will not marry in heaven, and perhaps perhaps even we, who are currently married, may not be married in heaven, I find that a little mysterious I'm guessing that for most of us, that we might accept this idea that we won't be married in heaven, but we still, I'm sure, want to recognize people that we know and love who've gone there before us, or even when we're there, who might come after us. We would want to see them again. I know that family members of mine that have gone ahead, I think about them often, and I want to be reunited and to see them again. But I do think this still, this teaching makes some sense. For some of you and for some of us, 
who have had a spouse that has passed. I haven't had that, but some of you have had a spouse who has passed and you're happily remarried. Whose spouse would they be in heaven? It could get tricky, and that's part of the reason, I think, the question and the way that Jesus answered it. But I think there's also some, some great things that Jesus teaches here, and if we could maybe speculate just a bit, I think based on what Jesus says, what Paul says, what we learn in the Bible about resurrection, here's a few thoughts. Let's say that we all have healthy bodies in heaven, and really that when you think about that age doesn't matter, would it make sense that we would all be around the same age, that we would all have healthy bodies, spiritual bodies, and if that's the case, wouldn't we look like or be about the same age? Could we be about the same age or look about like physically or spiritually as our parents, our grandparents, maybe our great-grandparents that we never met? Wouldn't we be about the same age or look like, because we have healthy spiritual bodies, as our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren that we've never met until we get to heaven? And these things may start to make a little more sense. The resurrection with life with Jesus, I think, can be mysterious, something we can't comprehend, but it will certainly be something greater, I believe, and as I've read different scholars, it will be something better and greater and more wonderful than anything we could actually imagine. The popular Christian song called I Can Only Imagine came out in 1999, and I remember singing that song a lot because it's a beautiful song, 25 years ago. It doesn't seem like it's that old of a song to me, but it is. In the song, it does imagine, the singer imagines a little bit what heaven will be like. And I, I think it's a good way to think about the next life because, you know, in Scripture, it only gives us so much in fact, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says we can kind of look through like a mirror or a glass dimly. It's like, you know, we get a little glimpse maybe of what heaven might look like. But one day we shall see face to face when, the, when we are there with Jesus. And so for now, we can only imagine what heaven might be like. One passage that is sometimes read at funerals, that I've read at funerals, is from Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4. It is a picture of the new heaven and the new earth and the holy city. And I wanted just to paraphrase a bit of Revelation 21, 1 through 4. God himself will be there in this new holy city. We will be his people and he will be our God. He will say, I am making all things new. You know, when you think about all the destruction and the chaos in our world, when we watch the news, when we read the news on our phones, God is saying, I am making all things new. It says there, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. In heaven, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. God is making all things new. And that's something that we can imagine about and look forward to, even though it's still mysterious to us. Randy Alcorn is a Christian teacher and writer, and you may or may not have heard of him, but he spent much of his career, and I think he's an older man now, so probably literally decades, researching the Bible and, and as a writer and author of many books, but a lot of his books have something to do with heaven. 
And while I don't think that his views are definitive, because I think there's some things certainly we just don't understand about heaven, and I don't think his views speak for everyone, I do believe he has some good insight into heaven. So he was asked about marriage and family in heaven, kind of specifically what Jesus is talking about here in Luke 20. And here's what Randy Alcorn said about that. His words will be up on the screen. So will there be family in heaven? Yes, there will be one great family and none of us will ever be left out. Every time we see someone, it will be a family member. Of course, we can be closer to some family members than to others, but there will be no rivalry or envy or grudges. Many of us, myself included, treasure our families, but many others have endured a lifetime of broken hearts stemming from some twisted family relationships. In heaven, no one will cause anyone else pain. Our relationships will be rich and harmonious. I think that sounds beautiful, and I think it gives me a little feeling about maybe why Jesus said that we won't need to be married or given in marriage in heaven, and that if God is our heavenly Father, that we are all sisters and brothers in Christ, which we often say here in church, and in a sense, we can all be one family in heaven, and I think it's a beautiful picture, which is even still hard to imagine. Randy Alcorn also says this about marriage. But the Bible does not teach there will be no marriage in heaven. In fact, it makes it clear there will be marriage in heaven. What it says is that there will be one marriage between Christ and his bride, which is us, the church. He quotes Drake Whitchurch, who writes, The purpose of marriage is not to replace heaven, but to prepare us for it. The purpose of marriage is not to replace heaven, but to prepare us for it. Near the end of this passage in Luke 20, Jesus says that God is the God of the living, not the dead. And Jesus says that when Moses says that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he is making the case that God is the God of the living. And he, he does this to speak to the Sadducees who believed in the Pentateuch and they believed in, in these verses. This is actually an exodus. And as Jesus is saying, God is the God of the living. And, he, and Moses spoke like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were still living. Thus they are. They are resurrected. They are living in heaven. Jesus goes on to say to the Sadducees in verses 41 through 44 that David calls someone Lord who would be the Messiah and would sit at God's right hand. And so again, a little bit of mystery, but I believe Jesus is saying that he is the Messiah. He is God in the flesh. He will be resurrected and someday very soon will be sitting at God the Father's right hand. God is the God of the living, not of the dead. In Romans 8, 38 and 39, it says that nothing shall separate us from the love of God, not even death. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God through the love of Jesus Christ, not even death. Therefore, if we aren't separated from God's love by death, wouldn't we be alive? And maybe even alive someday in a new kingdom of God, maybe we'll get to meet people like Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob, and yes, with Jesus face to face. And I kind of think it'd be fun to meet other people throughout history. Perhaps we'll get to do that 
as well. So yes, there's still great mystery in this. What will heaven be like? Can we trust that it's, it's going to be good? And I would say if you're a logical thinker like me, I would want to know more, and I don't fully understand it. But in faith, we can trust it. We can trust that God is good, and we can trust that he will have a good and wonderful and beautiful heaven, even better than we can imagine. Finally, a friend of mine said a good analogy for kind of where we are and that we can't fully understand what the future is like is to be transformed. And when thinking of being transformed, to think of a caterpillar. It's a very simple analogy, but I think it's a good one. If caterpillars could talk, do you think the caterpillar might say, you know, I crawl on the ground and you're, you're telling me, you're writing in this book that I'm going to fly someday? I'm going to have wings and fly? This is impossible. This can't be. This is mysterious. I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't even know what flying is anyway. But here's a more scientific explanation of that process. Once the caterpillar is done eating and growing, there's a lack of the juvenile hormones which causes the caterpillar to form a silk cocoon or a shiny chrysalis and begin radically transforming into a gorgeous butterfly. The cocoon is often hidden under the branches of a tree or in a bunch of leaves or even underground. This transformation is called complete metamorphosis. So in some mysterious way that we don't fully understand, someday too we will go to sleep and be transformed to be in a place that we don't fully understand where children of God may not marry or be given in marriage, marriage because we are all children of God. But God is in control. We can believe God is trustworthy. And we can believe that God is a good God loving us and that God is a God of the living. The Bible also speaks to us in our context today. And while Jesus was responding specifically in this passage to the Sadducees, I think we can take it for today as well. We can have hope for the future that one day we will experience resurrection. And while we may not fully understand it, we can believe that it will be good. In the meantime, we can live now in the land of the living, fully following Jesus as best we can each day as we can, still looking forward to that hope of the future. Let us pray. Most loving God, we do give you thanks for your word. Here in the Gospel of Luke, as we continue to live into it, as we study it, as we think about it, God, we ask that you would help us to understand it, O oh Lord. God, not fully, but to live also into the mystery of it as well. And God, in the meantime, to, to be in the land of the living, only imagining what life might be like in the future with you, trusting and believing in faith that you have good plans for us. And in the meantime, help us to follow you with all of our hearts. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen.